Why This Film Podcast looks back at the movies of your childhood. Join me, Emily Slade, each week as I step back in time to revisit the films that you grew up with. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while. Maybe you've watched it every day since you were eight. Maybe you totally forgot it existed. Whatever the movie, I'm here to go back with you through nostalgia untold and memories unnumbered. Together, we'll ask, why this film? Should we get going? Yeah. Come on then. Okay, this is Bad Things, episode five. Uh, Paula by Robin Thicke. I don't know why I need to do a formal (laughs) intro there. Uh, (laughs) We've never done that before. Oh, well. Take four. (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. Hello, cultural... Oh, my God, great start. (laughs) Um, Well, it looks like we're going to have to use the formal intro. culture lovers and crippled souls and welcome to another edition of Bad Things where we look at the backside of low culture and suggest that it gets an enema. From mind-numbingly awful music to terrible TV to farcical films this podcast will take you through some of the greatest mishaps in entertainment history as we fly through a veritable maelstrom of utter crap. And I'm once again joined today by my fellow media professional snowflake and ravenous Zoom meeting participant Jacob Simmons. How are we doing, Jacob? Generic salutations to you. G- g- generic salutations. I'm trying not to laugh at the fact you just compared this podcast to an enema. <laughs> uh, that, that was my uh, come up with on the fly uh, <laughs> suggestion in my brain there. That was, that was the hardest I've had to try not to laugh in my entire life. <laughs> and how are, how are you on week six, is it, of lockdown? Something like that. I think so, yeah. Um... I would tell you what day it is, but I don't remember. They've all just blurred into one. I forgot to go to work yesterday because I just completely forgot what day it was. Wow. Uh, that's not something you told me about. So that's, that's interesting. I am still employed. Don't worry uh, if, you're, if you're listening at home, mum. But other than that, I am okay. I have resorted to playing a lot of my childhood video games. So I've played a lot of FIFA 16 it's really nice to see a load of players I recognise instead of all these new people who I have just never heard of. And yeah, just been getting on with it really. Just going for runs. Thought I'd try and do that 5k a day in May thing. That lasted less than a day. <laughs> oh god, the amount of trends that have been going on has just oh, been ridiculous. It's... Well, I tried to do that. I was I was at about 3.5k and then I stopped and realised it was coming up to 8pm. So I couldn't keep running round my block on a, on a Thursday night at 8pm while people were just applauding the NHS. <laughs> As I was just soaking up their adulation. That's not, that's not a thing I wanted to do, so I stopped. Yes, you're not the uh, Captain Tom Moore of <laughs> Norwich. Oh, what a legend. Although we're in lockdown, we're still recording, thankfully, through the power of Skype. Woo. And what horrific cultural artefact are we re-examining today? Well... We're back on the music, as last time we were doing an audio, a visual review rather, so we're back on the audio stuff, and as voted for by you, so if you don't like this episode, that's your fault. This is our, 
I'll look back at one of the most poorly conceived albums of the 21st century so far, the post-divorce classic that is Paula by everyone's favourite boy, Robin Thicke. That's right, we're talking about these blurred lines. Woo! Or, oh, well, no, at, you. oh no! Oh no! At least, at least, what Robin Thicke did after Blurred Lines, yeah. yes, as we deep dive into Paula, which is a horrible way to say that. Um, <laughs> Here comes the enema. <laughs> oh, the Paula enema! <laughs> Welcome to the Paula enema podcast. Penenema? I don't even know. But no, no, no. We all, we all go slightly crazy. Yeah, Robin Thicke, that bloke who everyone hates. <laughs> did an album after a pretty much immediately after a divorce and it didn't do very well so we're doing that but as is tradition on bad things i think this is now my favorite part of the podcast um it's time for the prehistory of robin <sighs> thick is and this one gonna last longer than the actual review itself like the lulu episode who knows i think it is because i think there's more to say about the prehistory than the the songs on the Paula album um, and my word, do we have a rich tapestry of white R&B, so white, you really need to say that T as well, white. Yeah, so white. I'm not sure we can say that as British, as We are white very British white place. people ourselves, yeah. Yes, it's a rich tapestry of white R&B and massively awkward sexual lyrics to discuss here. So let's get into the prehistory of Paula. Now, Jacob, how much research have you done about Robin Thicke's potentially Freudian uh, upbringing? (laughs) Uh, I did a little bit. I already knew a fair amount of his background. I knew he was the son of Alan Thicke, who's a fairly famous Canadian actor. I didn't know he was the son of an actress as well, whose name completely escapes me. Is it Gloria something? Is that her name? Gloria Loring. That is a cracking name. Not to be confused with Eve Arden. (laughs) <laughs> blurred lines but yes he um obviously grew up in a very well-to-do household his parents both being very successful he i didn't know this before i started researching he was involved in the music business from quite a young age including writing for somebody somebody very famous and very surprising yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to that he he okay. also wrote songs for Brian McKnight, who I've never heard of, and he gained the nickname Brian McWhite while he was working with him. <laughs> it's that Rob- Robin Thicke's nickname was Brian McWhite. Uh, yes, it, yes, it was. No, Brian McKnight yeah. is African American okay. from the research that I did. Um, and he also wrote for the likes of Brandy, Christina Aguilera, and uh, our boy Jacob, who you just just mentioned there, Michael Jackson. Oh, please don't call him our boy. <laughs> He's a wrong'un. He's probably a wrong'un, yes. He's almost certainly a wrong'un. 2019 finally decided that Michael Jackson was a wrong'un. I, I had no idea that Robin was uh, wrong and thick, was writing for, uh, <laughs> writing for Michael Jackson at this point. But yeah, uh, he he wrote something... What, what was the track called again? Never oh. Fall Again... <laughs> Well, that was utterly horrible. <laughs> yes, he wrote a song called Fall Again, which MJ demoed. Uh, it's actually on uh, a box set that I have, or you, uh, do I, I may still have it, called The Ultimate Collection, which is a weird mix of MJ's hits and his demos. 
Uh, and Fall Again is potentially the most boring track over the five discs. And I don't think this is controversial to say. Uh, uh, re- removed from everything that he allegedly did, you were a big MJ fan, right? So you've got all the the extra editions and all the box sets and everything. And you're saying this is one of his worst songs ever. Yes. How it would have fit? I mean, I don't like MJ ballads anyway because obviously mm. he's all about the juice, which is a terrible thing to say in the context. <laughs> but, um, uh, it, most MJ ballads are boring, and certainly this mm. has got like a kind of click track thing going on. Uh, oh, it's just so boring. It's the most standard of late '90s, early 2000s R&B ballads you could imagine. Well, I think the cl- the click track is probably down to the fact it's a demo, so we yeah. can't hold it against it for that. But did you hear the version that Kenny G did of this song? I did not. No. Yeah, there is a version on a Kenny G album where Kenny does his little saxophone thing and the vocals are provided by Mr. Robin Thicke. Oh, wow. So he actually got to sing his own song and this became a, a sort of minor hit. I think this was Robin's first exposure to the world of pop celebrity on a Kenny G album. <laughs> Did you see that clip of Kenny G standing in Kanye West's house on Valentine's Day? <laughs> Every time I bring up a figure from pop culture, you always have a weird story about them. So um, Kenny G is no exception. Yes, Kanye, Kanye's house was littered with petals and then Kim K walked through the house and at the end of the petals was Kenny G. <laughs> That is a hell of a present. Was he in a big cake? No, no, he was uh, just playing sax. I know, that's really disappointing that he didn't... It probably would have been uh, the, probably a Victoria sponge, knowing how boring Kenny G is. <laughs> well, he can't have anything too elaborate, otherwise the icing will get stuck in his saxophone, and that is not a euphemism. Yeah, Robin Thicke seemed to be destined for life as a songwriter and producer until he finally got around to releasing his own music in the early 2000s. And what name was he recording under, Jacob? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe this when, when I found this out. He just recorded music under his surname. His name was Thick. <laughs> and on most of the, like, the, the literature in the album covers, it's in capitals, which makes oh. it even funnier. So his name is Thick. Oh, who... I don't know what marketing department decided that was the right way to go. It's uh, it's a horrible... Like, the name Robin Thicke is a horrible name. Thank God for that extra E, at least. <laughs> at least the extra E makes it slightly more palatable, but just calling yourself thick. <laughs> there are two meanings of thick in slang, and none of them are something I particularly want to be associated with as a pop singer. A lot of people use that word in memes now, don't they? With two C's at the two, end. Yeah, that that was the wisest thing you've ever said. <laughs> two C's. Two C's at the end. Yeah, I think that that refers to somebody who is quite curvaceous and bodacious. Oh, okay. Uh, which Robin Thicke is is <laughs> very much not. 
And then there's obviously the British slang for stupid. Uh, and we'll let you make up your own minds about that. So um, you might say that Lizzo is thick. <laughs> <laughs> I chose the wrong moment to take a drink. Oh, dear. <laughs> um Yes, Robin Thicke's uh, recording career began, and boy were we in for some second-rate white boy pop funk early Maroon 5 things when Cherry Blue Sky was released and later renamed to A Beautiful World in 2003. With who on the cover, Jacob? Ah, the the muse, the... (laughs) She's my muse. (laughs) The, um, oh, I've completely forgotten her name. What what was George Harrison's wife called that left him for Eric Clapton? Oh, Patty Boyd. That was it. The Patty Boyd to uh, Robin Thicke's George Harrison and Eric Clapton. This is Paula Patton lying very much naked on the cover of Robin Thicke's album. But that's okay because at the time she was his wife. So that's fine. We're allowed to put our, our other halves naked bodies out there for all the world to see. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of Robin's interviews later, but he, tra- he he suggests quite a few times that Paula is okay with everything that went on. We'll get into that. The beginning of this research, I was absolutely horrified because I was looking for a very uh, quick and thrifty playlist to learn some more about the prehistory of Robin Thicke, and I was out of luck on Spotify because. There is a playlist on Spotify, which they do for a lot of artists, called This Is Robin Thicke, and it lasts for over three hours. Uh, At least it wasn't just called This Is Thick. (laughs) With two thieves. (laughs) Two thieves, yes. Yeah, thank you for for not making us listen to that, because fair play to Nathan Packham, ladies and gentlemen, for your entertainment. He curated his own... (laughs) His own Robin Thicke playlist with one of the greatest playlist names of all time. Nathan, what is it called? I called it Thick as Thieves. <laughs> not with two C's, with, no. with one C, a K and an E. And it was not just full of Blurred Lines Afrojack remixes <laughs> as well, I would like to add. Who is Afrojack? Is he, he a real person? He is some DJ, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> So, um, here are the highlights. <laughs> I've ca- that's, a, that's an inverted commons. I can't tell you how, how little fun I had going round Morrison's regularly <laughs> listening to this playlist. That is not something that should be done whilst picking up packets of bacon and bags of crisps. Or in fact, no items as it was at the start of lockdown. <laughs> that's what you get for going to Morrison's. So bourgeois scum. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, they finally had the pre-baked baguettes back in today. (laughs) Okay, I take it back. That's the whitest thing you've ever said. (laughs) And it was white bread as well. Of course. So here are the highlights of Thick as Thieves, starting with the first single off the renamed A Beautiful World, and surname only Thick bursts in with one of the most garish opening lines I've ever heard. Girl, where you at? <laughs> uh, 
I could not stop laughing during this song. <laughs> From the mo- I had no idea what it was going to be. I played it. I turned the playlist on. I wasn't in Morrison's. I think I was by a river on my uh, my country estate. And uh, I put the playlist on. And Beethoven happened. Yes, the song is a sample of a sample as Walter Murphy's A Fit of Beethoven, which is on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, Mm -hmm. uh, loops throughout and is basically the whole basis of the song. Well, we'll get into Robin Thicke borrowing from other artists (laughs) a bit more detail later on, but have you ever come across this before? A sample of a sample? Um, I'm sure there's probably some out there that I'm unaware of, but uh, I think it is a thing that's slowly been happening because we've had sort of two generations of samples now, I guess. I Um, suppose. I mean, obviously samples just used to be James Brown uh, backbeats. (laughs) Just that that was the majority of samples. Um, But it's expanded. And and here we have uh, the debut song from Robin Thicke, When I Get You Alone. (laughs) It's... Uh, uh, divorced from the ridiculousness of it and any sort of respect I might have for myself, this song's all right. It's it's fun. It's catchy. But then again, how much of that is just the Walter Murphy sample? Mm-hmm. I don't think Robin's lyrics add much to this. There's one lyric that gets me every time where he says, "Baby girl, you're the shit. That makes <laughs> that makes you my equivalent." Oh, so much ego. I like that, because there is a slightly sort of feminist undertone there, where he's like, you and I are equal, but at the same time, massively degrading. Yeah, I think we're going to have several of those moments going forward. He tries his best at points. Well, he thinks he tries his best, anyway. Did you catch the video for this? I did not, no. I was too busy listening to the Glee cast version of this song, which exists for some reason. What? Yeah, Glee did a version of this. Oh, play that in. So, yeah, the video features stoner Robin Thicke <laughs> riding around New York City as a delivery man on a bike and pissing everyone off in the video. That is the whole basis of the video. Right. Um, what? what? It's called When I Get You Alone? Yeah. And he's just out on the street? Yeah, and he's just picking up deliveries, delivering them to families, getting back on, get, getting back on his bike, dr- like riding down the middle of the road, pissing off taxi drivers. Is this some um, key worker Robin Thicke? This is key worker, Robin Thicke. Lady Madonna. <laughs> um, and I, I actually didn't write this in my notes, but we've got to talk about the second single, haven't we, from this album? We've, Which one was this? Brand New Jones. Oh, God. So, I'm white... I had no idea what this meant. Like, what is it? Jones means like a, a strong desire or okay. a passion. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's it's sort of R and B slang for that. So when he was singing like "I've got a brand new Jones," I have no idea what he was talking about. Yeah, brand new Jones is the Maroon Five earworm that we never wanted. <laughs> it's very catchy. It serves a purpose. The same as when I get you alone. It's not. 
It's not good, but it gets stuck in your head. So we move on to uh, two albums that I have very few notes for. I don't know if you want to pick anything up from these, but Robin Thicke's second album, now using his full name, The Evolution of Robin Thicke. Um, There was a slight sense of cohesiveness with the singles here, I thought. Uh, It was produced by Pharrell Williams, who'll Mm. be turning up later on as well. Um, (laughs) Yes, he will. Some passable minimalist R&B, and I thought nothing too bad to report. I don't know what you thought. Um, uh, a lot of that playlist I'm struggling to remember, to be honest. <laughs> I will say that it's a very impressive lineup of people on that album. Like you said, Pharrell's on it, Faith Evans does a, a collaboration, Lil Wayne's on it. So Thick is like, it, he's a big player at this point. He's got connections through... His songwriting, he's good friends with Usher outside of uh, outside of working environment, so he obviously pulled in some favours there. It's produced by James Gass, who's done work with people like M. Vogue, Jennifer Hudson. So, but for all intents, of, like he he's definitely on his way at this point, or should be on his way at this point to to being pretty famous. Yeah, and then we move into the third one, which is just called Something Else. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, (laughs) There was a bog-standard Justin Timberlake rip-off on this one called Magic, and also a vague fake soul protest song called Dreamworld, where he... He's like, oh, I'm in a mixed-race relationship, and some people aren't okay with that, and... Mm. Uh, we should be allowed to bang who we want is the the basic <laughs> message. Uh, and as we'll find out later on, Robin Thicke did bang who he wanted. Indeed. Um, but it, all of this pales in comparison to album number four. Oh my God, it's time for some sex therapy. Just let me love you, lay right here, girl, don't be scared of me. If you sex therapy, if you sex therapy... So, Sex Therapy The Session, or the deluxe version, The Experience, mm. was released in 2009 and marked a significant foray into sexually unrelenting lyrics mm. from Robin Thicke. How did you get on with the title track, Jacob? It made me sad. <laughs> It's not a good song, Nathan. I've written down here an overtly lustful R&B slow burner where Thick, as you were saying earlier, where Thick somehow manages to put the emphasis on the decisions of his female lover whilst at the same time coming across as a total creep. It's so creepy. It's and and I did watch the music video. For yes, twice. yes, you did. It's it's one of those horrible pop videos where. It's just men like touching women in their underwear, and they're these they're these models walking around with very little clothing on. It's horribly objectifying, and you know, yes, they probably agreed to this, and yes, they got paid, and yes, this was their job. Whatever. It is not the sort of thing I want to see. It is not the sort of thing we should be promoting when Robin Thicke is singing whilst poking his head through a woman's <laughs> legs. And That's touching her thing. inner thighs. <laughs> yeah, um, I wish I wish sex therapy was the end of our discussion on this album, but I have to bring up two more. The you first one to. being, 
I have to. Oh. The first one being roller coaster, spelt with two A's mm-hmm. instead of uh, E R, where you would expect them. Um, and my God, it's Estelle. She found her American boy, except he's Canadian. Yeah, it's Estelle, so this must be the late 2000s. Um, More painfully clunky sexual lyrics here from Robin, um, which is a shame because I thought the jittery synths on this were quite good. It's fine. Um, I... I should hate this song, as my as this podcast has proven. I don't like songs that are metaphors, uh, but this isn't a very metaphorical song. It's not really got much to do with roller coasters. No, um, that sort of goes out the window. Apart from the uh, the chorus, um, there's two yeah. lyrics I find hilarious here. The first one being from Estelle. I think sings this. It's passion. It's strobe lights. <laughs> Those are two things that are unconnected. <laughs> And then the other one I picked up, and this just goes to show the almost godlike ability of Robin Thicke to win his woman back. Um, hate me in the morning, sex me up at noon. What a quick turnaround that is. <laughs> also, sec- sex me up at noon. That, that, is a, that is a clear day if you're having time to make love at midday. Oh yeah, the music what industry is, is just, just cocaine and not really working, isn't it? So... What is the schedule there? Like, what is happening? That is working I've... from home. Done well. Done right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if there's anyone who's had a lunch break and uh, <laughs> had some fun whilst working from home. Get in touch with us if that's you. <laughs> I will mention my quote-unquote favourite lyrics of this song. Uh, the opening lyrics, which are so weird. Slap me in the face. <laughs> punch me in the eye. Do me how you want to, baby but just don't say goodbye. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Punch me in the eye. That is some BDSM right there. There's BDSM and then there's assault, Nathan. That's <laughs> that's not allowed. She'll be sexing him at noon, don't worry. <laughs> With his eye patch on. Oh, um... And, yeah, the third song I've picked up for this album, the most Freudian of potentially the entirety of Robin Thicke's career, is Shaking It For Daddy. Do you know who's on this track, Jacob? It's Nicki Minaj. Nicki, an early Nicki Minaj, yes. 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 I think this is even pre uh, Starships and Super Bass and all that early stuff. I get, yeah, I think so. When that was like 2013, wasn't it? Well, yeah, maybe it was think... earlier than that. Mm. I remember. And, um... I remember Super Bass from Freshers. I think 2012. <laughs> Woo! And yeah, this song is horrid. <laughs> <laughs> She's lifting up her ass. Uh, uh, <laughs> do you want to move on? I do. You put it in your notes perfectly. It is beyond review. <laughs> it's beyond review. Um, Robin has a change of heart for his next studio album. Here we are for Love After War. And I think here we've got to play in that title track. Yeah. Ooh, 
2011, one of the most boring years of my life. Um, and Robin has toned it down considerably, but still manages to compare his domestic arguments to global conflicts with the title track. Um, I thought Love After War was one of the better tracks on the playlist. Um, it's I've taken very few notes on it. So, but considering most of my notes were how about how uncomfortable the songs made me, I think that's probably a good thing. <laughs> it's very proto Paula this in the sense that he is apologizing for his misdeeds and and his wrongdoing. So, it's definitely it's definitely a a far cry from shaking it for daddy. <laughs> and it's also a bit latin, <laughs> which is a very Paula. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's fine again. Nothing special. It's an okay song that didn't make me want to cry. So I'll take it. Right, Jacob. It's time. Oh no! <laughs> Speaking of things that make me want to cry, <laughs> it's time to talk about blurred, bloody lines. Hey, hey, hey! Hey, hey, hey! Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> oh. I think the most controversial song of the 2010s. Is that a fair statement? Oh, yeah, I think so. In terms of popularity versus controversy, yes, it's definitely the most controversial. I had never heard of Robin Thicke before this song. Um, He, I guess he just sold a shit ton in North America and that's how he'd kept afloat. Um, And I guess with the songwriting and stuff, he was in high demand. But yes, it's a breakthrough. Pharrell is back. And it's blurred lines. Jacob, looking back now in uh, a new decade, what do you make of blurred lines? What what problems do you have with it, if any? You may not have any problems with it, I don't know. Okay, so this is a very interesting, controversial, difficult topic to navigate, even seven years after the fact when this song came out. So... I don't like this song, even from like just a purely objective standpoint. I think the the music is fine. It's not my sort of thing. The lyrics, I can understand how they would be taken in a very poor way. Things like, I know you want it. Uh, you're a good girl. Very demeaning, but probably no more demeaning than other pop songs that were around about the same time and definitely on a similar level to things that came before it. My problem is the video. Yes, I am in complete agreement with you. Um, it is a great song for weddings. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proper, proper like first five songs of a disco track. Yeah. It's, it's um, a classic, like, cause I, I've DJed a few weddings in my time if if I was doing it in 2013, this would have gone on either straight away or towards the beginning because it's this, it's got that classic yeah. mix of some like 
looking back at old music, so it'll get the old people up and dancing. It's new and fresh, so it'll get the young people up and dancing. It, it it's Pharrell Williams to a T. It it is totally for it's maybe the most Pharrell of Pharrell tracks. Um, I also don't greatly have a issue with the song um, because I'm a Daily Mail reader. <laughs> um, um, but yes, the uh, the tit video, as I've oh. called it in the notes, was God. completely unnecessary. What? How did this happen or get through or exist? Uh, I have I, so many questions. Okay, so confession time here. I didn't know about the tip video until we did the research for this. Oh, wow. I'd only ever seen the censored video, and that mm-hmm. was enough of an issue for me, where these women, uh, the most famous one being Emily Ratajkowski, who's actually got quite famous off the back of this, <laughs> are running around sort of cavorting with Robin Thicke, Pharrell Williams, and T.I. Is that the other guy on this, the rapper? I think it's T.I., yeah, yeah, who brings nothing to the table. <laughs> yeah, it's the classic pop verse, chorus, verse, chorus, rap formula, which I, if I came to power, I would ban. <laughs> uh, that was bad enough for me, where they're running around. Uh, there's certain elements I found quite funny, like there's a bit where one of the models is holding a sheep over her breast, which <laughs> hey, is hey, just hey. absurd. <laughs> Um, and then I discovered the tit video where mm. they're just running around with their tits out. Yeah. And it's, it's that classic horrible thing where women have to get down to their underwear to fit a certain mold, but all the men in the video, you know, Robin Thicke is there in a full suit. So if anything, he's wearing more clothes than he should be normally. And it's just it's just this complete double standard of, of class and a, a gender role in music and in, in pop to the nth degree. And you're, you're quite right. How did this get made? And why, why was it necessary? Why? Well, Blurred Lines caused so much controversy um, uh, in in a number of public spheres, and even our own university had a referendum on whether to ban this song or not. Yeah, so this was before my time at yep. the university, but not before yours. Yes, I was in my second year. Uh, it is, uh, I believe, still to this day, one of the most voted on things in UEA history... With and this this percentage is extraordinary for uh, for, for university politics. Fifteen point seven percent of the student <laughs> body voted Jeez. on this referendum, and I am fully happy to admit that I voted not to ban this song. Um, I felt that it, although there were certainly things to answer for, I felt that it had been unfairly targeted. Uh, I also felt the people who ran the campaign didn't really know enough about the history of American music to be making this uh, decision or this referendum. I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say. So I voted not to ban it. And the result was, the qu- the full question was, should the song Blurred Lines be withdrawn from student union facilities and media? So that would have involved us not being able to play it on student radio. In the, which didn't, I don't think, happened anyway after the controversy. 
in the interests of student safety. So it was 552 for yes, which was 24.8%. And then no, which was the right wingers, including me, um, (laughs) was uh, 1,675, which was 75.2%. So uh, it remained um, allowed to be played on campus. An overwhelming victory. Yeah. A a victory, if you will. A victory. Um, I do look now back now and think I was way too blasé in making my decision, but uh, I would not have changed my mind now. I think there's way worse stuff out there, to be honest. I mean... Uh, this is the same uni that, up until last year when I was there, was still playing Ignition by R. Kelly. Like, regularly yeah. at student club nights. And, and also banned sombreros, which is... Uh... <laughs> it did ban sombreros, yes. But, but that's a whole other thing we'll get into. I keep, I keep thinking about what I would have voted for had I been at uni at this time. And... Probably rather shamefully, I probably just wouldn't have voted because it's such a loaded issue. And once you get into it, you have to explore so much else. And once you ban this, what else do you ban? Where do you stop? So I think rather shamefully, I would have sat firmly on the fence and abstained. Yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of like aware of my own contradictions with this because uh, we had I think we had a referendum on the sun and, as well, and I think oh. I voted. Yeah. I think I voted yes to ban the sun and then not to ban blurred lines. So <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at. And really, I, I'm not sure it's really my, um, not really my fight to have. Yeah, um, it's it's a tough one. Like morality is not a set of scales. It's not, it's not always even. It's not always clear cut. It's very subjective depending on where you are in your life and the experiences you've had. So I think... I wouldn't hold anyone accountable for their decisions based on their opinions on this song. I'll hold them accountable for their opinions based on other things that might relate to this song. But whether or not you like this song or not, or think it should be banned, is probably not a definitive indicator of your morality. And I wish the controversy stopped there, but we've got more to discuss. I couldn't... Um, How? How did it get more controversial? Because we've got to talk about the Marvin Gaye lawsuit that happened and whether this song has too many similarities to Got to Give It Up. This afternoon, a jury ruling against Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke, finding they copied a Marvin Gaye classic. See if you hear any similarities. First, blurred lines, then Gaye's Gotta Give It Up. On the stand, singer Robin Thicke, seen here outside the California court, reiterated his admiration for Gay's music in this VH1 interview. One of my favorite songs of all time was Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up. And um, so we tried to, you know, get a little groove like that going. Jurors heard Gay's song played off sheet music to compare the beat, and apparently it struck a chord. They're now awarding Gay's family a portion of Blurred Line's nearly $17 million profit. Right, Jacob, you've got to give me a definitive on this one. Is, th- <laughs> is this a viable lawsuit or not? Yes, I think okay. so. I think, yeah, they're very similar. Um I've I've watched a couple of videos on this where people get into like the technical analysis of this, the different time signatures, the different chord progressions. But when it comes down to it, uh, when you hear both of these songs, there is something distinctive about them that they both have. There is that sort of cowbell sound, there is that sort of upbeat. 
I, I, I won't try and get into the technical stuff now, but yeah, it's quite clear that they lifted this from Marvin Gaye. They even say so as much in interviews where Robin Thicke essentially confesses that, yeah, I asked Pharrell to write me a version of Got to Give It Up, and Pharrell Williams just wrote Got to Give It Up 40 years after it had come out. <laughs> What what doesn't help Thick and Pharrell's case here is the um, the deposition video, which was <laughs> released uh, surrounding this lawsuit. Have you got any quotes from our boy Robin uh, from this deposition video? I can't remember any exact quotes, but didn't he essentially admit to being drunk and or high during every single interview he did in 2013? Yep, he said I was high and drunk every time. Every time every. I did an interview last year. That is in a court. That is in a legal proceeding. He's admitted to that. <laughs> he he just does not care. Um, <laughs> he he totally he sandbags other questions as well. And he says when I do interviews, I tell what I want to say to help sell records, <laughs> which um, is refreshingly honest. Yeah, um, Pharrell comes across a little bit better, but essentially paints a sort of us-against-the-world uh, picture. And I am not normally one for uh, similarity lawsuits in music. Um, I think there's only so many places you can go, as much as I love it. But this one, I think, definitely has a legal basis. <laughs> can I just say a few things on Pharrell? Yes. I don't understand how he escaped persecution over this. Because Robin Thicke's name was dragged through the mud massively for this song, for both the controversial video and the Marvin Gaye stuff. But if you look at Pharrell's career, it only it went from strength to bloody strength off the back of this. Happy came out not long after this. He got absolutely shot to fame after after this. I know he was famous already. You know he'd been a songwriter and a producer for years, but he he was catapulted into the public eye. And I don't know how he got away with this. Because Robin Thicke admitted on multiple occasions, and Pharrell admitted on multiple occasions, that Robin Thicke had very little to do with Blurred Lines. <laughs> because he was drunk and high all the time. It was basically entirely Pharrell that came up with this song and just gave it to Robin Thicke. But Robin Thicke was the one who got all the backlash. I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Happy saved Pharrell. Another mm. absolute wedding song, if there <laughs> ever was one. Still is, yeah. That's um, still a wedding song. I think I think that is the chronology as well. I think it was Blurred Lines in the mm. summer, and then Happy came out, uh, I want to say, October time. Yeah. I remember playing it on student radio and being like, oh, this is so good, and then I heard it 400 <laughs> times. It's not so good anymore. Well, it was 2012 um, was Get Lucky, wasn't it, with Daft Punk? That brought yes. Pharrell back, and then... We had blurred lines, and then happy, and then he sort of faded into the background a bit more again. Um, I think I think get lucky was twenty thirteen as well. Was it earlier oh my on? God, yeah. what a year! And Pharrell didn't stop borrowing stuff from other songs. <laughs> have you heard the Paloma Faith track "Can't Rely on You"? Yes, I have. I just can't yeah. rely on you. Yeah. Have you heard the Franz Ferdinand song "Take Me Out"? Yes, I have. <laughs> well, yes, because you've heard Paloma Faith "Can't Rely on You." Now, this song was produced by Pharrell, and it just steals the riff from Take Me Out. 
He did it again. I don't find that as similar as Got to Give It Up. Oh, I'm sorry, but I mean it's not as similar, but it's it's just like even like there's a great tweet from Franz Ferdinand. They after this song came out, they tweeted at Pharrell. It was just like if you wanted to use our song, you should have just asked. <laughs> We'd have let you. <laughs> I think Pharrell is a sleazy, sleazy guy who's gotten away with far more than he deserves to. And I think if you watch any interviews with him about Blurred Lines, he comes across really poorly, especially when he's trying to defend the lyrics. I've got a quote here from an interview he did with uh, Channel 4 where he said um, it, it was about the line, I know you want it. He compared it to a car salesman. He said... Is it sexually suggestive when a car salesman says to somebody wanting to buy a car, I know you want it? <laughs> That's got nothing to do with anything. Who cares? He's one of the best producers of the 21st oh, century. Okay, here we go. All right, put your Daily Mail down, Grandpa. <laughs> Jacob, we've got through the blurred lines debate. How well, have we managed that? I don't know. Did we, did we do well? Did we handle it? Are we going to be attacked in the streets? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about my own opinions on this song. So uh, I'll just wait to see how the record comes out. Just edit me well. It'll be fine. <laughs> but in, in his moment of great success, shit hit the fan for Robin because Paula Patton, his wife of 21 years and debut album cover star, divorced him, <sighs> claiming, and this is the big three, infidelity, alleged domestic abuse, and drug usage. Ding, 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 Um, ding. (laughs) I haven't actually got a lot of notes on what the hell went on here. I don't know whether you've done any more research than that. Yes, I have. So Paula Patton is an American actor and singer. She got her start in the music business uh, singing backing vocals on Usher's 2004 album Confessions. Uh, yep. which is the Yeah album, which is a pretty good song. Uh, and Robin Thicke served as a producer and a songwriter on that album. Their careers have been very intertwined from a very young age because they met, and this is unbelievable, they met in an under-21s hip-hop club in L.A. <laughs> Paula Patton was 16 at the time. Robin Thicke was 14 Imagine oh, what went on in that club. God, I don't want to imagine. Did you ever go to any under 21s, like under 18s clubs in Britain? They would be called. Did you ever go to any? So I think I did. I can't remember anything specific, but the best example of that is the in betweeners where they go to one of those and they walk in. And they're like set, obviously the characters are like 17. Everyone in there is about 12 to 14 and they're playing, they're playing high school musical. <laughs> There's nothing sadder than you see those pictures on Facebook of clearly 14, 15 year old kids posing for like club photos and they're just holding like cans of Red Bull or Monster. Yeah. Yeah, disgusting. Just, I hate it. I hate the entire the only, the only drugs being taken are E numbers. <laughs> yes. Which are somehow worse than actual E. Paula and Robin started dating in 1993. Uh, Paula was 18, Thick was 16. Ugh. Uh, they got married in 2005, having been together for 12 years, which is a very long time, considering they were in their late 20s and early 30s at the at the time. In 2014, the couple announced their separation, with divorce being finalised just over a year later. So, all in all, they were together for, as you mentioned, 21 years. 
that has got to be crushing oh. for both people. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, let's remove any sort of prejudice or bias. That's a horrible thing to go through. That's more than half their life at that point. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about some interviews later on, but the strain that you mm. can see uh, on these guys. God, this is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> can, just we go, like... can we go back to the shaking it for daddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, it's about to get even more sad because in 2014, uh, Paula filed for sole custody of her and Thicke's son, Julian Fuego Thicke, which is not the saddest part of this, claiming that... Fuego? Yeah, his middle name is Fuego. Paula claimed that, and this is a quote, given that Robin's history of hitting me with a closed fist, pushing me onto the ground and kicking me, I had no doubt he was capable of hitting Julian, particularly after having used cocaine, alcohol or whatever other substances with which he is presently involved. Patton also filed for a restraining order against Thicke on behalf of herself, her son and her mother, citing numerous cases of, as you mentioned, the Holy Trinity, domestic violence, drug abuse and infidelity. The Holy Trinity! Um, like the bit that the bit that gets me about that is the restraining order on behalf of her mother. Yeah, that's really scary. Like the, did, the fact did you that she find felt... it weird. Did you find it weird in the interviews that both of them tried to downplay the drama of the situation? Yes. They were Am both I... really yeah, calm about it. Did you find it. that? Yeah, they yeah. were like they both said, "Oh, we're still really good friends. They're they're both great people." But look, reading this, reading the court stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a healthy approach to take. Well, yeah, I, th- I think we'll talk about it later on, but I think that it seems like there's been some patching up that's been done, mm. um, thankfully. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, you know, what What was Robin to do? His marriage was in tatters. Uh, oh, God, I'm trying not to be glib about this. I'm re- it's such a horrible thing. It's, it, you know something. what? Should we, just, should we just take a moment to say this is a horrible thing? then rip the plaster off in one go and go straight into making fun of him. Yep, let's do it. So, (laughs) what is there to do but almost immediately release a deeply awkward and personal account of the whole situation? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Paula. So, Jacob, touch me, you're my fantasy. <laughs> I'm going to make another grand statement here. Um, is this the dullest opening track in popular music history? <laughs> well, you know my thoughts on Sunday Morning by the Velvet Underground. So, yes. I will refrain from comment, but fucking hell, this goes on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, Robin pleads for Paula's return over a plodding Latin rhythm. We're in Lulu territory with how long this track overstays its welcome at a ridiculous five minutes and 57 seconds. Yep. And it doesn't get much more different than the probably about 20 seconds you've heard on this podcast. It is so boring. It's so boring. It's like a a guitar demo that someone would use in a Greek restaurant when you're on holiday. (laughs) 
That is a specific memory. That is, well, you know, it's those performers in like Brits Abroad restaurants uh, who come in with the boombox and put the tape in. It's that kind of thing. It's like um, it's like production music. Yeah, it's it's a keyboard demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's YouTube audio library. You've searched for Latin guitars. It's probably called something like Sicilian Dreams by Kevin MacLeod or something, or Audio <laughs> Audio Natix or, or those other heroes of YouTube's audio library. It's so fucking dull. You've you've searched for Fall Again by Michael Jackson <laughs> and got this. <laughs> Um, I only have one lyric to talk about. That lyric being, your legs are on my walls, your body's on my ceiling. That is some physics right there. (laughs) So the only way that that would be possible is if she was lying in the corner of the room, sort of pressing herself into the ceiling with her legs. (laughs) Which I'm just just imagining now. (laughs) Just like, I don't know what he means by that. Oh, she's Spider-Man. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she is. Um, yeah, it's cl- quite clearly this track is about Paula, but it's it's weird that it's like a love song. It's it's not. It, I mean, the tone of this album is all over the place, but it's very odd that he's trying to romance this woman who he's gone through a very public divorce with. That's not right. Is, it? is this not is this not the best bit about this album though? Like once again, I'm going to talk about the like I did with I Want to Marry Harry. It's all about like the ambiguity and the subtleties of it. Like when you're going through a breakup, like you still have these feelings. It's mm. not just all doom and gloom. Yeah. Like you still, you know, sex still exists as a world concept <laughs> whilst. <laughs> Whilst yeah. you're going through a breakup, um, I've never, I've never wanted any of my exes to wedge themselves against my ceiling, though. That's never happened. Sex me up at noon. <laughs> Drop down from my ceiling while I'm sleeping. Um, should we do track two? <laughs> Are we just going to whiz through this because it's really boring? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I can only go by the notes I've got, Jacob. Yeah, I've not um, really taken many. Um, I've just put that he's trying to be Justin Timberlake, uh, which is the story of Robert Thicke's career. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when you lose the girl, what do you... Sorry, the gal. (laughs) Yeah. What do you do? You've got to try and get her back. All I want to do is give you that thing Play you that song you and your girlfriend sing Let's get you back tonight I gotta get a go, get a go, get a go, get a back I gotta get a go, get a go, get a go, get a bad. I gotta treat her right, whoa. I gotta cherish her for life. I gotta get a go, get a go, get a go, get it tonight. So, how boring is this as well? <laughs> I have taken no notes on the lyrics. It's. Wow. Um. It's so repetitive. Like, this is a huge bugbear for me with this album, is that the lyrics and the the backing tracks are... There's about 10 minutes of original content stretched out across a 45-minute album. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, a super stripped-back, uh, further pleading from Thick with a repetitive guitar riff. Um, did you catch the video for this? There was a video for this? This was a single. This was the only single, I think. What?! 
texts appear on the screen, uh, which apparently uh, were the actual texts sent between Robin and Paula uh, during right. this whole uh, saga. And they include texts such as, you drink too much, and also my personal favourite, which was, I, I wrote an album about you, and the response was, I don't care. <laughs> God. See, that's that's the weird thing about this album is there are some moments where he, Robin Thicke comes across as really self-aware of his shortcomings. And there's other moments where, and we'll get into them a bit later on, he just comes across as a total wanker. <laughs> and then uh, further to the video, there's points where he appears like bloody, like as if there'd been a physical oh, altercation, geez. which is just like so far beyond the line you should be going if you're entering into legal proceedings with someone yeah there's so many things on this album that are just like you really shouldn't be saying this about your ex-wife and the mother of your children you shouldn't be implying these things especially when she's quite clearly got a shitload of dirt on you um have you got anything to add (laughs) (laughs) i will i've i've dubbed this the first in what i call the Somebody forgot to put the drum track into the Pro Tools file <laughs> trilogy of this album because there's three songs in a row with no percussion on them and I find that very strange and very annoying <laughs> because it's like it's not like it's not done for effect I don't think it certainly doesn't sound like it's done for effect it just it does sound like somebody forgot to unmute the drum file when they were mastering this song it it really detracts from it i think not having any percussion you've you've got me all excited now about a potential alternate mix where maybe (laughs) the drum follows the guitar that's like oh i'm off now i'm off should we re-record it should we do our own sort of paula ep We've already got the Grease 2 uh, play to make, so we've got too oh, much God. going on. We're going to have to start crowdfunding at this rate. <laughs> um, uh, well, fuck that. That's that done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not over, Nathan. We're two songs in. There's 12 more to go. Um, track three. Um, potentially the first song where Robin Thicke's had a little bit of booze whilst recording. Oh, um, still Madly Crazy. Just you and me What can I say Oh what can I do I'm crazy so crazy for you I try not to show it But just can't control it I'm still madly crazy for you Heaven night you so this is a piano ballad on the same themes as discussed before, but the difference here being how strained his voice is throughout. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, again, no drum track, which it really does make this sound like a, a demo because it's just piano. Um, I didn't really pick up on the strained nature of his voice. Do you think he... Well, obviously, you know, we know he has problems with substances. Do you think... He, you can tell he was using them during this track. Not going to speculate, just, okay, <laughs> just yeah, listen no. to what I previously said. It's probably best not to, yeah. Um, I actually put this as one of the better songs on the album. Oh, you are fucking crazy. <laughs> You're still madly crazy. <laughs> Look, there's, 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 you know, 
fairly decent lines. So free, just like heaven, or what I expect heaven will be, is quite poetic. I like that. Um, <laughs> it's not fucking Keats. <laughs> it's basically Keats. Um, maybe I just like this because it's quite short. <laughs> so it's under three minutes. Did you did you see the video for this? There's another video. This is this is the, so fucking weird. <laughs> um, Robin was not present for the video. Maybe he was lying in a ditch or oh, something. I'm God. not sure. So <laughs> no, <laughs> they hired some children. <laughs> was it Julian Fuego? It, well, I don't think Julian Fuego was in it. He probably um, wasn't legally allowed so children, to be in the video. Yeah, too much lawsuit going on. Um, the children join in with the song and they also lip sync it throughout. Um, in, a, in a classic thick Freudian turn, they take part in a wedding ceremony <laughs> with a tiny boy and a large girl. I mean, tall girl, I should say. Um, and then a boy gets hit with some roses. Um <laughs> This is like something out of Arc Music Factory. Oh dear! And then uh, they do the obviously with the wedding. You've got to have the wedding speeches. Yes. Um, so some great lines from the kids here. Um, I don't want you crying on my couch anymore. Was a particularly good line. Uh... Um, and also remember that time in Vegas, probably when the child went with his family because he's <laughs> eleven. Um. That's really weird. <laughs> Please watch it after we finish recording. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it, yeah. I, even just to find clips, but yeah. I find kids in music videos and in films and TV weird at the best of times. I still think that I can count the number of decent child actors on one hand that I've seen in stuff. And they're all in Stranger Things. <laughs> and they're all in Stranger Things, yeah. Uh, don't drag kids into your weird song about divorce. Please don't do that. <laughs> Um, right, once again, that's fucking it. That's all I've got. <laughs> you picked this, audience. This was you. Oh, you voted all nine, in the poll. All nine of you picked this. <laughs> hey, we could have gotten away with insinuating that way more people voted on that. You've Sorry. Sunk, you've sunk this fucking ship, Packham. Um, speaking of sinking the ship, this is my favourite song coming what? up. What? This yeah. is your favourite song? <laughs> this is my favourite song. Track four is Lock the Door. One, two, look at you. Three, four, she locked the door. I keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. She was born in Paris at the age of 21. I think you mean track one, two, three, four. <laughs> one, two, look at you. Three, four, she locked the door. That was very Dylan there. Uh, ooh, she's locking the fucking door. <laughs> hey, these blurred um, lines. That that counting upwards. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard the song Driving Rain by Paul McCartney? I've heard the song Driving Rain by Paul McCartney. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Let's go for a drive. <laughs> Am I going to have to play in Driving Fucking Rain now? Yes, the entire album. (laughs) I didn't like this song. (laughs) There's no drum track again. 
which is just bizarre. We get the first appearance of the Robin Thicke choir, the gospel singers in the background. That's why it's the best female voices. <laughs> Have you not gathered from anything we've discussed so far that Robin Thicke should not be allowed anywhere near women at this point in his life? <laughs> I kept trying to warn you. <laughs> I I don't like the counting lyrics, the one, two, three, four. That should be reserved solely for old blues songs and nursery rhymes. Um, And driving rain. And driving rain. The knocking sound effects just made me laugh. (laughs) That's such a quick knock. How how eager is he to get in? Well, well, he's filled with desire, Jacob. So he's got a Jones in his his bones. So he wants to get in. Jones in his bones. That's amazing. Well, that's a song as well. Oh, so, I thought yeah. you'd come up with that on the spot. I was no, really excited. Sorry. Oh, never mind. Speaking of bones, yes. have you got that lyric written down? Um, I've got so many lyrics written down from this fucking thing. Um, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> At least open the doggy door, throw a friend a juicy bone. <laughs> Take this seriously, oh. Robin. Oh. Um, I, yes, I will admit that that lyric is the worst lyric on the album from the best song, though. <laughs> there are a couple more lyrics that I highlighted. She was born in Paris at the age of 21. <laughs> Which is probably quite clever, but it just makes me think of a giant French baby. Yeah, what biology has happened there? <laughs> just a massive baby with a baguette and a beret. Uh, I've also got... But now she's flying high, you can't hurt her no more. Now she's locked the door because you broke the key. That's not how doors work. <laughs> <laughs> if you broke the key... <laughs> she is perpetually housebound because <laughs> she, has a, she has a lock but no key. Stay home, save lives. <laughs> Robin Thick. And then the bit that I think you've pointed out as well in your notes, the bit right at the end. Oh, yes. Um, There's an amazing moment where Robin tries one more quick knock, and it is a little knock of the door, and he simply asks... Anybody in there? (laughs) How is this your favourite? Um, I like how it starts ascending. I like that the piano sort of replaces the drums in terms of the punchiness of the mm. piano. Um, I like that there's female voices. I think the I keep trying to warn you... I'm sorry, I kept trying to warn you hook is really strong. So those are my reasons. Execute me. <laughs> okay. Um, I can... Uh, that's... Yeah, you make some good points there. The problem I have... Um, and I'm going to try and be you for a second because I'm going to talk a bit about recording. You mentioned on the Lulu episode that you like lots of space between the tracks. <laughs> Whatever that means. Whatever that means. I think the the opposite is true on this album. I think there's too much space between the different... Because, like, the backing vocals and the main vocals come in at a, so, approximately the same volume a lot of the time. So it mm. feels very artificial to me. This whole album reeks of digital to me. Which I would agree with that. Completely. I never usually it, pick up on. It is I, a digital soul album. Yes, yes. Uh, the irony of being there that there is, of course, no soul in this. I've never really been one for like. Oh, you can tell that this has been remastered. I've, uh, sorry, that's probably my impression of you there. Um, 
<laughs> but this definitely stank of bad recording to me. And I've, I don't want to sound like a snob because I don't know anything about recording and, and, and music make like producers baffle me with their intelligence. But yeah, this stank of bad recording to me. I mean, uh, at, at a base level, we know this was a rushed album. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess we'll probably get into more of the digital recording later on for you. Because you'll know more about this than I do. God, we talked about for a fairly long time about a track. Um, moving on. Next up is uh, Whatever I Want. Drum track is back. It's catchy. It's good. Um, it's very sambery, which is uh, which is nice. Um, this is what I mean about the tone of the album changing. Is this Robin singing? Is this Paula? No, I, I perspective. Think, I think this is Paula. Paula. It's, she's done a ghost and has has entered Robin Thicke's. Uh, body i'm not saying anything (laughs) i knew where you were gonna go (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah like the tone and the perspective of this album is all over the place some tracks are from robin thick's perspective and then it it switches to tracks like this where it's meant to be paula being like i'm free i can do whatever i want but because it's still robin singing it just sounds like it's robin saying he can do whatever he wants when you go from songs about really wanting this person back to I can do whatever I want, and talking about a new lover, it's really confusing. How did you get on with the quick kiss me's throughout this? <laughs> kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Oh, oh. horrid. <laughs> I find I I find the word kiss a horrible word. I don't like saying it. I don't like hearing it. It just it freaks me out for some reason. Read into that as you will, but I don't know. Jeez, Jacob's got on the chalange here. <laughs> it all started in an under twenty ones hip hop club in, in LA. We were eating skittles. <laughs> I didn't like the kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me's. They are repeated about a billion times. Um, so this song was my personal version of hell. The only notes I have are about the perspective and the kiss me, kiss me. So if you want to move on, I'm happy <laughs> it's, to. It's another example of short verses, meaningless words. The chorus is repeated over and over and over again. It's lazy is what it is. What Robin would argue is not lazy is what I think from the interviews is his personal favourite track <laughs> on this album. We're going swinging. And this is Living in New York City. I'm moving to New York. Jacob, what is the great revelation about the opening spoken words section of this song? Yeah, I didn't realise this. There's a spoken word opening where somebody says, I'm moving to New York. And... Oh, world changing. 
Uh, and that is actually the voice of Paula Patton. Yeah, she was asked to contribute that, and she did, and it ended up on the album, uh, God Celebrities. Do you know if she knew what it was for? Do you know why she said yes? <laughs> Because this is all I gauged was that uh, there's sort of very vague explanations of like, oh, Paula, I'm writing some music. Can you contribute this for me? <laughs> that again, it's good to be civil. I think in a breakup, especially if you have a child, but they're civil and then there's there's there's, there's overreaching, which is what this is here. An extrovert's divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is one of the most extroverted divorces of all time. <laughs> um, so this song came about because one of the ways they were trying to work through their relationship was that Paula wanted to move to New York. And Robin was like, oh, shit, I guess I'm moving to New York then. And um, <laughs> that's how this song came about. And I'd like to sound a klaxon here or perhaps play a short Michael Bublé song. No! Because this is, for me, uh, thick as shit Michael Bublé song number one. <laughs> the puns. The puns are just dripping off you right now. Oh, yeah, I didn't realise that. Thick as shit, yeah. Oh, did you? Works. I thought you did that on purpose. No, I didn't. Oh. I just realised that. Yeah, thick as Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, kudos. Kudos to you there. If he's not trying to be Justin Timberlake on this album, he is trying to be Michael Bublé. <laughs> or some sort of weird... Uh, James Brown thing going on I've as well. I also put James Brown, yeah, and some tracks a little bit sinatra as well. I actually don't find the bass line and the horn section too bad here, but once again, it's so digital. You can yeah. just hear it. The problem for me is that I know, I know this is going to sound ironic considering I wanted a drum track about two tracks ago, but the crash cymbal on this is so intense. <laughs> it rips your fucking face off. It comes in and it's just like... Psh, psh, I'm like, ah, stop. You sounded like Lou then. Is it going to rip your fucking face off? (laughs) Rip your fucking feet off. It's just so... Like, calm down. It's it's so in your face. What did you think about a white R&B artist exclaiming the words black daddy? It's... What what does he mean? What does that... What does that mean? I don't really know what that means uh, as a white British man, so uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass over it. Apart from saying that it made me feel highly uncomfortable, <laughs> it was one of those moments where you hear it and you're like, he didn't just say that, and then you look up the lyrics and it's like, oh, he did just say that. And how how were you with the NYC why not why not line as well? I said B U N Y. Part of me thought I should hate it, but I I analysed those thoughts and decided I don't really mind it that much. It's, you know, it's call and response hook. It's very passe, even in 2014. It shouldn't be being done, but at least they make an effort with why and why not. You know, (laughs) what what about you? Oh, it's it's awful. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> there it is. There's yeah, the balance. Uh, uh, whereas I think you prefer this to the count to the count up in uh, mm. in um, I've forgotten the name. Uh, Lock the door. <laughs> there it is. Your favourite song. Uh, yeah, my favourite song. Uh, I yeah, I can't stand this call and response thing that's going on. It's terrible. Okay. Why is that? Is it because it's very 
like you like I said, passe and it's so obvious, and... so <laughs> obvious and just painful to listen to. <laughs> I don't know whether it was written as like a if he was going to do it live or the crowd going to get involved, but yeah, it's very sort of Cab Calloway sort of Minnie the Moocher old school stuff, but not in a good way, not in a loving tribute kind of way. This is this is an example of me of Robin Thicke not knowing who this album's for in terms of the music because you get some slow R and B stuff mixed in with these weird swing tracks that just come out of nowhere. <laughs> There's plenty more to come. Oh baby! But next up, we've got it, it kind of along the same vein, but um, far more downbeat. Here's Robin Thicke as struggling lounge singer with uh, "Love Can Grow Back." With your on my back Something's broken Only you can fix With your new, 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 new nails Oh, sweet cherry pineapple black Shine your magical touch And heavenly light on my body, babe Show me our love can grow back Oh how much do you enjoy being scratched on your back, Jacob? Uh, I feel like this is neither the time nor the place to discuss that. Uh, but not to the extent that Robin Thicke likes having his... Is this, again, is this from the perspective of Robin? But I, I can't work it out for this one, in all honesty. Yeah, because he talks about a new lover, so that could be Paula, but then he talks about new nails, which is a very feminine trait, and I, I don't know if Paula swings that way. Uh, I don't know, I might be being ignorant here, but it, it sounds to me as if it's coming across from a male perspective on a female, and her, and I quote, new, 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 new nails. It's the walk on the wild side. Do-do-do, <laughs> do-do-do, nails. God, God, listening to that back, I just hated myself. Um... <laughs> I Can I just... I... Uh... I don't get this song at all. It's probably my least favourite okay. on the whole album because the lyrics are uh, just trying to be edgy. There's like, you know cigarettes are bad for you, baby, but so am I. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, Come on. It, it's definitely his perspective because I've got down, uh, you're way too young to dance like that in front of a man like me, baby. Oh, yes, of course. He's talking about those blurred lines. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a weird one. And the title, Love Can Grow Back, implies this This is his love for Paula. That can grow back. Is that what he's saying? Is this is this a new love growing in place of the old love? Am I overanalyzing this? Yes. <laughs> Have I listened to this song too many times? Yes. And I've only listened to it twice. Jeez, yeah. Um, I, t- I think I did four goes round of this album. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, and I, I listened through my... Uh, I've got some new, like, better headphones. Didn't some sound new, any new, di- new, 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 new. Yeah, didn't sound any different from my Bluetooth headphones at any point. <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but next up is the psychedelically named Black Tar Cloud. Um, unless this is a common name used within the meteorological community, which I don't think it is. 
I know a few weather presenters. I can ask them if you like. Yeah, ask them and then um, yeah. make an adage to this podcast about black tar clouds. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to find a weather presenter and talk to them. Yeah, ask them about their new nails as well. <laughs> Jacob was fired from his job after a <laughs> sexual harassment suit. You're way too young to be presenting the weather in front of a man like me, baby. <laughs> Uh, when this podcast's done, I'm just going to watch that clip of the weather presenter flipping off the news anchor on repeat. <laughs> Thomas Schaffernacker. <laughs> Schaffernacker, my boy. I waited an hour to cool off when I came back, it was too late. Truth. You were lying in bed. Truth. Said you took 20 pills. Truth. Now I'm calling the ambulance police. I'm freaking out till you said chill. Maybe I didn't really take them pills. I'm just desperately crying for help. 911. Emergency. There's a black tar cloud All because of me Um, this song was fucking weird (laughs) It's so weird (laughs) So yeah, I saw the uh, the title Black Tar Cloud and thought Yeah, that's really interesting Exactly, I was like He's doing a Hendrix He's doing a Hendrix Blurred lines up in the sky (laughs) Um, but no, it's a song about It's about a lover's quarrel uh, Quite a violent one um, he flip-flops around from I'm really sorry to let's have sex at breakneck speed throughout this song. <laughs> sex me off at noon again. <laughs> Thwack me with a golf club at two. <laughs> it's like... <sighs> I don't know where to stand on this song because there's there's some pretty decent lines you know one body wanted too much one kiss it wanted to stay one hand always misbehaved is all right that's not a bad line but then you get lines like i thought everyone was gonna (laughs) eat the chips turns out i'm the only one who double dipped (laughs) what does that mean it's it's like Robin doubly annoys people at parties by not only being an absolute creep, but also coming up to, with the Doritos and just double dipping away. Paula was there like, look, I can take the domestic violence and the alcohol, but it's the double dipping, Robin. The straw that broke the camel's back. And you buy the cheesy variety, which nobody <laughs> likes. Nobody likes cool original Robin. <laughs> Yeah, this is almost a Tiger Woods level of physical argument, isn't it? <laughs> yes. The line about trying to hit me with my favourite golf club. Who's got a favourite golf club? Tiger. And the, and my, my, the absolute cherry on top of the shit cake is the, the hilarious 911 refrain. 911. It comes out of absolutely nowhere at the beginning of the song. And also the perpetual references to the truth which is really Mm. not a good idea when you're going through legal proceedings with someone to say something is the truth. Yep. And we've got, I think we're going to touch on this in the review section, but there's a particular line in here that is really badly thought out and really quite dangerous, actually. Mm. I was so excited by the title. I know we've already said it, but I was like, yes, we're going to have backwards guitars and drug references. and Well, we got the drugs references. Well, yes, we did get the drug references, (laughs) just not the the psychedelic variety that I wanted. No, he was not visited by Dr. Robert. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) I'll play that in. (laughs) 
Mac is getting all the royalties on this episode. So, next up, this song, like a lot of the songs, does exactly what it says on the tin. We're heading to Too Little, Too Late. Too late. I love you, baby. Too little, too late. Every time you walk through that door. I should have waited patient, thanks, you spanked you, please, you feed you. Every time you walked up in this house, baby. I should have cheered you, feared you, knew a day would never come when I don't need you. This is now turning into our Lulu review because I'm very tempted to just go, Robin does the same thing, blah, 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 blah. Again, the music on this album is all over the place. We get Latin, swing, samba, like electro pop. I usually like this on an album. I like albums that aren't afraid to sort of stray across the genres. It's why I like McCartney so much. It's why I like uh, 1975 so much. But... I don't like it here. And I just wonder, is that because none of it's any good? My biggest gripe is with the line, every time you walk through that door, I should have waited, patient, thanked you, spanked you, pleased you, feed you. Um, yep. Couldn't you just have had a chat? Also, every time? That is a bit much. <laughs> yeah, that's... That, oh, jeez, the art, <laughs> like your arse at the end of that could just be... <laughs> also, like... If you're making an album that is essentially an apology to your ex-wife, don't talk about spanking. Get in the chair, Robin. (laughs) And also the line about um, every time you walk through that door, should have bought you white roses plenty and rubbed your toes. (laughs) I think he may even say toeses. It's 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 the conclude it's it's a tradition, isn't it? You know, you go out, buy your wife some white roses, come back, hand them to her, and then you're straight down onto the toes. <laughs> Rubbing toes is, and I assume it means like a massage, but I just imagine him getting her toes between both hands and just sort of rubbing them like he's trying to start a fire. <laughs> oh, we definitely started a fire with some of our opinions on this podcast. Oh. We've we finally reached it. My uh. absolute worst song on this album, <laughs> and very close to making what I still haven't made, what is still my fantasy worst songs playlist. It's thick as shit, Michael Bublé song number two. No. Tippy toes. Well, she hears her favorite song, screams at her friends, jumps on the couch, takes another sip. And when you see her, you'll be standing with an open mouth, cause she's the Eiffel Tower, yeah, she's new in town. She'd be dancing on the tippy toes, her tippy toes, dancing on the tippy toes, her tippy toes. Everywhere my baby goes, is tippy toes, dancing on the tippy, 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 tippy toes. Once again, a massive tonal shift. Like... The the repetition of tippy toes is infuriating. Uh, mm-hmm. The horns the horn production reminds me of a Disney credits song. And I've also put in my script. I think my mum had a cat called Tippy Toes <laughs> when she was a child. <laughs> Did you talk to your mother to confirm or deny this? I actually spoke to her today, and I forgot to ask oh. her whether. Um, the cat's name was Tippy Toes, which just saying it as an adult is horrible. <laughs> Can you imagine having to call for that every time you wanted the fucking cat to come over? <laughs> tippy oh, Toes. The double, tippy Toes. Oh, the alliteration. Oh, it's horrible. 
Such a wordy name for a cat. Three syllables. I'll put, is it one of the worst songs ever? Yes, it is. Like, what the fuck has it got to do with the rest of the album? <laughs> who came up with this fucking idea? Why? Why does it exist? I mean, who, yeah, who is it written about? What purpose does yes. it serve? Um, who is who is dancing on her tippy toes? Is it Paula? Is it a new girlfriend? Is it Robin? Is it me? I don't fucking know at this point. You're not gonna you're not gonna get your wife back with this alliteration, okay, Robin? She's running for the hills. She's running for the hills anyway. But this is worse. Yeah. Robin says of his new woman, she is the Eiffel Tower, the Northern Lights, and the Mona Lisa. Well, How it, are it's, these? It's passion. It's strobe lights, Jacob. So. <laughs> It's like... <laughs> the song just makes me so cross. Should we get even more cross? <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible. This is the pinnacle of the shitness for me. Everything okay. after this was a, was a peak. Um, well, the next one's pretty me. bad as well. Uh, because, well, I've oh, oh, just made another accidental pun. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, it's called Something Bad. It's really creepy. Here you go. There's something bad in me. Something, something. Oh, there's something bad in me. Something, something. Yeah, there's some bad, some bad, some real, real something, bad. Something. There's something bad in me. Oh, yeah. I've been so bad. He clearly hasn't been bad and is just getting told this during the act of sex. Yeah. Again, when you're making an album that is meant to be apologising and you include a track called Something Bad, now is not the time to be talking about how you make people scream in bed. What the hell does the line mean, a bird flew in the window, took a picture and left with a naughty tweet? This is the worst lyric on the album. (laughs) Is he talking about an actual tweet? Is he talking about Twitter? I don't know. What is going on here? The only thing I can think of is that it's some very loose analogy for like the tabloid press who asked, who covered the divorce quite extensively. But it's so... It, he's bending over backwards to stick his own head up his ass at this point. It is. That is <laughs> he's, he's having an enema. <laughs> yes. This is a horrible line. And it's like, you know, there are some decent lines in here, like... A liar under pressure, feeling mighty dressed up. Look at me, I'm showing off again, because vanity's my only friend. <laughs> that's... It's not bad. It's all right. No, it's, that's, that's decent. Um, and then you get I the could, fucking tweet line. I could also counteract you with, I know you want to fly so, baby, open up your wings, then I'll walk out with your legs shaking while you're screaming, Robin, please. Uh, do you think the bird puns are just because his name's Robin? Really? Is that Look, where we're going now? Oh, come on. Like, we, like that's beyond the realm of possibility at this point. <laughs> Anything is possible in this divorce case. <laughs> exactly. So you, you really hate this? Uh, this is the second worst, yeah. Just because of the sentiment, it's the second worst. Okay. Um, and also the bed and head rhyming and the mad oh, and bad. No. Uh, really? Have you got... Have you got like a list of cliche rhyming couplets that you really hate? Uh, well, fire and desire can fuck off. <laughs> yes, that's one of mine as well. Uh, baby and maybe, that's one that I really hate. Yeah, I, I honestly, fire and desire, that is mine. 
<laughs> love and glove. Uh, you don't get that so much these days. Love and above. Yeah, I love that uh, gloves aren't really a thing anymore. Well, they are at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> now, I've previously mentioned my annoyances with uh, the similarities between that Buddy Holly song and Mr. Sandman. And we're essentially now entering into a shit version of both of those with the opposite of me. All that she wants is the honesty. All that she wants is the opposite of me. All that she wants is someone who doesn't hurt All that she wants is the action, not the words All the action, not the words It's the action, not the words I don't really have much to say on this, I didn't think it was that bad We've got nothing to say on any of this shit (laughs) But I've got nothing, especially nothing to say about this um, I quite I quite like some of the lines, um, you know, when she talks about all she wants is somebody who doesn't hurt, all she wants is the action, not the words. I quite but, like that. But your that. words are so poor anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and your actions include rather arbitrarily buying white roses and then <laughs> rubbing her feet together to make a fire. <laughs> I, I I don't hate this song. I I have just genuinely put on my on my notes nothing to report. Um, did you did you think his voice was really strained and slurred here again? No, I didn't pick up on that. I think you must have picked up on this more than me. But it, it, it is the action, not the words, though, isn't it? So <laughs> exactly, yeah. I couldn't see him. So I again, like we touched on it earlier, but. The pain that he must have been going through at this time. He was in no condition to work. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, no. And I just rewarded her with my drunken rants. How about that for a diploma? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's self-aware, at the very least. It feels more. It feels more seriously self-aware than anything else on the album. I wish he'd taken this stance more. Rather than the spanking and the rubbing the toes, and what you you want to listen like... to fifty minutes of the opposite of me? <laughs> I don't know, but I'd rather he took himself more seriously when he was apologising, because that could have made for something at least slightly more emotional and and made me invested in him. Whereas when he talks about little birdies doing tweets and. <laughs> And women being the Eiffel Tower, I don't care that he's gone through this sadness, but here he is opening up like, I made a mistake, I got too drunk, you stood by me and all I did was shout at you. There's there's something to that. Oh, you're so left wing. (laughs) Right, well, the opposite of me is done, and that was thoroughly boring. Um... Play that jingle again, Jacob, because it's thick as shit, Michael Bublé, song number three. Oh, the time of your life. This is the time of your life. Let's celebrate, not ask each other why. She's standing there beside you. Touch her hand, let it guide you. She's just looking for somebody to love. This is the moment of your life. Everything's changed. This is the most Buble track on here. Yes. Like, he sounds you, like him. Apparently. Yes. If you played this to somebody, I reckon nine times out of ten they'd say it's Michael Buble. 
Absolutely. The, the way he says time is so booble. Mm. You got that time. Yeah, yeah it's the, very yeah. time. Very booble. Again, I don't really have much to say because it's it's such a lazily written song. The bit where he goes on about you got that thing, baby, over and over again. It just feels like filler. I think this is his strongest vocal performance on the album. I will go for that, yes, because he doesn't sound like Robin Thicke. He sounds like Michael Bublé. <laughs> um, once again, this is a song that is just could just be on the credits of a Disney film. Mm. Like, the, the hero has solved their problem. You know, the narrative arc is over. And here comes fucking Robin Thicke with his... <laughs> toes and shit and <laughs> flowers and whatnot and here's the song <laughs> yeah it's very safe it's very it's just lazy it's lazy lazy songwriting i did notice a lyric where uh, he says uh well i don't know how to spell it or how to say it but i think you i think they call it you got that it baby <laughs> Um, Robin, it's an I and a T. <laughs> and you literally just said it. <laughs> Four times. This is the time of your life. Uh, again, like, what is the, the... Why is there a weird mix of R&B and swing? <laughs> Nobody wanted this. There's, there's no problem with that. I mean, New Jack Swing is a genre that I love. Um, yeah, but it's it's... That is a combination of the two. This is a 14-track album with five R&B songs, three swing songs, a weird electro-pop number, a fucking Latin six-minute-long bollocks, <laughs> some boring pop piano with no drums. Do you think that's Robin's? That's that's Robin in the bedroom as well? Six-minute bollocks. <laughs> they call me the six-minute bollocks. <laughs> Right, Jacob, let's let's get the fuck out of here let's wrap and talk this up. about the most boring song <laughs> on the album. Forever Love. Uh, here it is. Oh, jeez. It's longer than always could be And farther than the eyes could see Forever Love I've got nothing to say. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing a you. I've got nothing to say. It is one of the most boring ballads I've ever heard. Um, and, and you said before we started recording that you have a wide range of notes on this song. Uh, yeah, somehow. Um, one of my notes is just, oh good, it's five minutes long. I've put it's quite bland, but at least he can sing. You can't deny that he can't sing. I like some of the production on this. I like that there's an echo on the vocals. I, I think I was clutching at straws at this point. Um, I've put. It was I can hear the straws being clutched. <laughs> I put ending with a single is interesting. Did I make that up? Was this was, was this not a single then? Oh, I don't. I might. I might have got this wrong because there is a music video to this, so that may have well have been a single. Yeah, just because it. I mean, it feels like it. Oh my! I've just realised it's a John Legend song. What a cover! No, it, it's no. It just sounds like a oh. John Legend song. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 No, it's very, um, oh, what's that one? Um, 
Oh, yeah, that one. I know the one you mean. You know, you know one. the one I mean. Yeah. Um, All of me is that what All it's of called? me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's 2013 as well. I think <laughs> that's a wedding track. That's a first dance track. Yeah. There's a weird kind of half lyric, half music video with some paper stop motion figures. Okay. Um, where they kind of, I think they, I don't really remember because it was shit, but they like <laughs> kind of, they kind of fall in and out of love, and it's really mm. boring and fuck Paula. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the Afrojack remix? No, we're fucking song? not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I, I didn't even listen to it, but there is. After after Forever Love, there is an Afrojack remix of Forever Love. Jacob, did you listen to it? Because I didn't. I did. It's exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> it's, it's the lyrics over a boom, boom, boom yeah, club yeah. beat. Four on the floor. <laughs> It's fine. It's Miss Afrojack the Mystery Man, whoever he is, in his little cave, making making remixes. Um, <laughs> what a weird way to end this album. Uh, what? Yeah, what a dull way to end a a varied album. <laughs> <laughs> varied is the kindest thing we can say about it. <laughs> yeah, varied is the kindest thing I can say. Um, basically, I think the whole pattern of bad things now is you choose a movie that we or TV show that we actually quite like, <laughs> and then I come in with the sucker punch and uh, <laughs> with the really dull albums. Look, all I'm saying again, we this was democratically elected. This was so. This yeah, is your it, fault. Yeah, it is the Brexit of bad things. So there you go. That is, yeah. This is what happens when we let people decide their own fate. Democracy doesn't work. And as is tradition on bad things, another one of our favourite segments that we do every time. It's time for the aftermath. And Jacob, please talk to me about these sales figures. Oh dear. It sold 530 copies during its first week of sales in the UK. Have you, have you got any other figures as well? I do. Uh, 550 in Canada, which must be especially biting, considering people usually do quite well in their home countries. And f- fucking 158 <laughs> in Australia. And I learnt the other day that Australia is wider than the moon. So that is just how how crushing this well, is. Hang on, how is it wider than the moon? Apparently, it's wider than the moon. That do, that doesn't make any. Where do you measure the moon? From? I don't, don't talk to me about science. <laughs> it was a quiz question. He told you this. They've made it up. It's rubbish. Okay. Yeah, it didn't sell very well. I mean, in the states, it sold all right. It it debuted at number nine uh, in the album charts. Twenty four thousand copies in the first week. It's all right. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, the, pro- the problem is, though, it's coming off the back of Blurred Lines, so it should be massive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, 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 to be fair to Robin, he was pretty uh, like he was pretty blasé about this in um, his follow-up interview, mm. uh, which is the so. There's two interviews I think both of us watched for this. Uh, from a, a New York station called Hot 97. And the first one, he is so smashed. It's really hard to watch. He yeah. shaved his head. He's slumped over the desk. He looks like shit. He sounds like shit. This is when the arms just come out, so the divorce would have like still been happening 
when he's talking to these guys at Hot 97, it's horrible. But then he does do a follow-up one where he's in a much better place, and he's quite funny about it. He's like, well, I never sold well in Europe anyway, so I wasn't that concerned. (laughs) I must say, that second interview with Hot 97 really... Not won me round to Robin Thicke, but it definitely oh. <laughs> put him into it put him into context. Like he came across very well. Yeah, like just Robin Thicke without the substances is fine. Mm. Without the ego, without the the nonsense, without the just the bollocks. He he spoke very eloquently about the divorce. He spoke very eloquently about how he was not in the right place to record this album. The the bit that really interests me was when he said if it had been down to him, he wouldn't have promoted it. He wouldn't have sold the album. He just wanted to make the music because yeah. that's how he deals with his pain, which is a very uh, it's a very valid form of coping with loss and grief, making music and, and creating art. The problem is when you're a multi-platinum recording artist, your, rec- your record label kind of wants something that they're going to make some money off of. Yeah, so they get tippy toes. <laughs> if Robin Thicke wrote tippy toes as a fuck you to the record label... I will Fair reverse. Play. Yeah, I will reverse all my judgments. It's this is it's his metal machine music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've made metal machine music somehow even worse. <laughs> Do you imagine going into an art installation and it's tippy toes on repeat? <laughs> I'm leaving the Tate Modern and I'm never returning. I'm gone. I'm rescinding my membership. So the sales were rubbish, and uh, how were the critical reviews, Jacob? <laughs> um, so we've got well, you've you've compiled a couple of reviews here, Nathan. Thank you for that. Um, Metacritic gave it forty nine out of a hundred. I assume that's user reviews. No, that that, that's the critical. Reviews oh, that's critics. Compiled, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think that's. <laughs> actually quite generous for this it that is them saying this album is almost half perfect i i think it's better than lulu i will say that yeah yeah somebody could pull my toenails out one by one and i would still prefer it to lulu but (laughs) if somebody rubbed your toes (laughs) somebody could set my toes on fire and then spank me and i would still prefer it thank you spank you (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that was a bit high. If you were out of 100, I think I'd give this album 42. I think that's too high. Okay. I think in the 30s. Okay. Then we get a couple from specific publications. All Music gave it two out of five. It says, with Thick, determining the level of sincerity here is as tricky as ever. It's not tricky. (laughs) There isn't any. He's in entertainer mode to such an extent that he sounds not like an agonised singer-songwriter, but more like a reinterpreter slash exaggerator of songs that would be more effective with humble performances, which I totally agree with. What a review that is. Gee, I just bloody love critical reviews. (laughs) If all music are listening and want to hire Nathan Packham off the back of this, I will shut this podcast down to get you that job. Look, I, I say such technical things as that ticky noise, and that should get me hired. We've also got one from Slant Magazine. Um, they talk about our favourite named song. Yay! Um, the call and response foot stomper Black Tar Cloud is a convincingly remorseful... Is that Mia Culpa? I have no idea. What I hate is it. that? I hate it when reviews do this. When they, Especially the, the Guardian's the worst one for this, is when they use this fucking ancient terminology and these stupid Latin coat of arm phrases to sum things up. 
<laughs> what the fuck does mea culpa mean? <laughs> but but if it too is based on his relationship with Patton, and that's an assumption Thick obviously wants us to make. It's not an assumption, it... the fucking album's called Paula. <laughs> that is a good point, actually. They've forgotten about the album title. Um... Then he just told the whole world that she's the type of woman who would fake a suicide attempt, which is going to be great in court, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and this is surely not the best way to get her back. Yep. That's the sort of thing that if his lawyers heard this song, they would shut down their practice and move to a different country. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was a bad decision. And then a review which thoroughly pissed me off. Right. Because it gave the album three out of four stars. What? Uh, first of all, four star ratings. Absolutely do one. Um, <laughs> I quite like four star ratings. Ah, oh, you wrong and um, <laughs> wrong and thick again. And thick. Um, in 1978, the recently divorced Marvin Gaye unleashed Here, My Dear, which is a really sort of funny, ironic, really darkly humorous album about uh, Marvin Gaye's divorce from Barry Gordy's daughter. Oh. Here, My Dear, which is still held by many as the ultimate musical document of a bitter breakup. It has taken more than 35 years, but at last, the album's spiritual... And then I have no idea what that <laughs> word is. Antipoly? Antipole, it's spelled Antipole, <laughs> has arrived. Courtesy of <laughs> these words have made you made you forget how to say other words. Courtesy of one of Gay's most famous admirers, because he got sued massively. <laughs> yeah, yes. In the same way that bloke that shot Ronald Reagan was an admirer of Jodie Foster. <laughs> how you could compare here, my dear, to Paula is beyond me. How you could give 75% to this album? <laughs> Fuck off. Have you got down what Robin did next? Because I haven't got a lot. He seems to have disappeared mostly. Well, it's really weird because in that second Hot 97 interview, he talks about a follow-up album. He talks about he's going to release something called Morning Sun. And then this was in 2015. That album still hasn't come out. Have you ever heard the Robbie Williams album? Uh, oh, no, it's not called that. It's a song, that. yeah. It's a song, isn't it? Yeah, the album's that's called been... Reality Killed the Video Star. It is called Reality Killed the Video Star. Oh, might add that to the list. <laughs> I quite like that song. That's been stuck in my head all week. Um, and yes, he is a judge on the American version of The Masked Singer. <laughs> How did that happen? Once again, masks, Freud, oh, S&M, well, it's all yeah. going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I mean, Robin Thicke has vanished from pub the public eye. He he vanished pretty much as soon as the Blurred Lines controversy was done with. It's it's one of those things where, I sadly, I think his career is sunk because of the Blurred Lines stuff, and this album did not help. Luckily, nobody bought it, so no one knows about it. I think we're stamping absolute bad thing onto this, this aren't we? It's not as bad as Lulu. <laughs> so it gets, a, it gets a minor reprieve, but it yeah, is... I've, I've it, got yeah, like, I've got like 5% more energy than I did at the end <laughs> of the Lulu record. Yeah, but it is, a, it is a bad thing. Yes, it joins... It joins every other piece of music we've reviewed <laughs> and and the moral judgment of I Want to Marry Harry in the bad things pile. 
Put it in the bucket. There it goes. Slam dunk. We've got some things to announce before we leave. Um, Jacob, we might be running a tournament if we can get our act together. (laughs) What is this tournament going to be about? Well, this is something I suggested to you as a joke, and we've seemingly run with it now. We mentioned in our Lulu episode your dislike, Nathan, of corporate rock, which... uh, How would you describe corporate rock in a sentence? Um, I would describe it as... 98% 98% white uh, rock music with inauthentic synths, uh, often misogynistic lyrics, and with no other purpose than to sell records, <laughs> is how I would sum it up. Yeah. So I joke to you, because I think we both love a Facebook reaction tournament. Yes, I love a bracket. Love a bracket. So we've decided we're going to run our own bracket to crown the ultimate corp rock song. Can I, can I just say that this is only if we can actually be bothered, but let's get excited <laughs> about it anyway. Yeah, why the fuck not? Uh, so yeah, some of the examples we've got, uh, we've got tracks by Def Leppard, tracks by Jefferson Starship, <laughs> Journey, Europe, Bon Jovi, Toto... And we're going to, well, if we could be bothered, pit them against one another and let you decide which one is... Are we going for the best or are we going for the most corporate? I, I don't give a shit. Like, just vote for whatever you want to vote for. Um, actually, the other day I, I tested this out on some friends and they said... Well, I, I thought, as I thought, the most controversial one is probably uh, Africa by Toto. Mm-hmm. And they suggested the song Cherry Pie instead. By Toto? No, not by Toto. I don't. Oh. Who do you know who Cherry buys by? I have no idea. Oh, you know it's he, she's my cherry pie. What? <laughs> I've got no idea what you're talking about. Do you know what? Let's keep Africa in. It's all good. <laughs> it's fine. We can replace it with some Twisted Sister if needs be. So Nathan, this month's edition of the podcast was decided upon by. Our lovely audience, we put out a poll, and Paula won against the odds. It was very much the underdog in the poll, but it came through. So we've put out another poll for what episode six is going to be, and the results are in. So as decided by the popular vote, next time on the Bad Things podcast, it's the film that broke up Matthew Horn and James Corden, the most Ron Seal does what it says on the tin film title of all time, Lesbian Vampire Killers. I'm very excited for this one because I in- intently remember the, uh, the the Horn and Corden breakup and oh, uh, yes. the fallout to all of that. I think we may even have a Piers Morgan interview to, <laughs> to, to snip it into uh, this episode. So bring on the hot lesbian vampire action. How did it take this long to get Piers Morgan involved with bad things? And we've also now got to announce the poll picks for episode seven. So many polls. <laughs> Democracy. And these look like they're going to be an absolute slog again, so get ready for this, Jacob. <laughs> um, returning to the poll because of its near popularity, um, we've got Louis Boys, which is going to be an episode exploring Louis Walsh's uh, X Factor contestants. We've chosen three for you. Who are the three we've chosen, Jacob? Uh, I like how you said that we put it in the poll again because it nearly won, not just because we really want to do this episode. Uh, We will be looking at uh, an anthology of Louis' greatest X Factor contestants, Wagner, Jedward and Eogan Quigg, who I refuse (laughs) to call Owen Quigg because his name is Eogan. 
I just want the episode to be on Wagner, but I guess we'll throw <laughs> the other two in there as well. Those are the um, those those are what we had to put in to satisfy our sponsors because nobody wanted a, a, a two-hour podcast on Wagner from the X Factor. <laughs> Option two, uh, we're going back to the mid two thousands and. Uh, everyone's favourite reality stars in the UK from the mid-2000s. They uh, got together on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. They had their own show, and they also released their own album. 90s pop star Peter Andre and the supermodel uh, known as Jordan, but of course she's actually Katie Price, uh, with um, a shit Aladdin album, A Whole New World. Have you heard any of this, Jacob? I have heard of it. I have never put myself through this because contrary to popular belief, I'm not a masochist. Um, But I can only imagine what this sounds like. A joint venture between a man who is a singer and a woman who is not. This is going to be shit. (laughs) That is a guaranteed shit. If that's what you want, vote for a whole new world. If you really hate us, vote for that one. Option three, um, which is potentially the one I want to win, just saying it now, Um, an album I listened to so many times when I used to be a kitchen porter, one of the most hated bands, I think, in rock music history, we're going to be doing Limp Biscuits. and um, let me me just check I've got enough breath to (laughs) say this album title. Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavoured Water. You must have loved this album when you were younger. Yeah, Metalhead Jacob. Oh boy. I am getting ready to defend some of the tracks on this album if it wins, because there are some tracks on this album that I used to love as a teenager. I've never heard the full thing, so I am excited if this wins to dive into some Limp Biscuit deep cuts, which I can only imagine are horrible. <laughs> I will join you and say that I think I can defend two of the songs on this album. Yeah. I'll leave you with that. (laughs) And option four, which is another one I'm really excited to do at some point. Phil Collins is going to jet across the Atlantic during Live Aid to fulfil his childhood dream of playing drums with Led Zeppelin. And it's all going to go to shit. This is option four, Led Zeppelin's Live Aid performance. See, uh, I, which... know, I don't know anything about this. I didn't, ah. I didn't know that they had a famously poor Live Aid performance. So this was in the Philadelphia portion of Live Aid. Yes. Okay. Um, was, every, has... was everyone on drugs? I, I don't I'd have to look that up okay. for the research. What I can tell you is Led Zeppelin have never allowed this to be released on any official uh, Live Aid packages. Oh my so God. we're going to be watching this in glorious uh, hate, uh, VHS quality <laughs> um, if, if, this, uh, if this wins the poll. Oh, wow. So those are your four options. The poll will be out uh, soon and you can vote on our um, Facebook page. And speaking of which, Jacob... Where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook where you can vote in that poll. You can search for the Bad Things podcast. You'll find a nice little image of us in cartoon form uh, drawn by our amazing artist, Becky Stolworthy, who has also done all the artwork you've seen across this show. The thumbnails, the Hall of Fame 
characters. Uh, follow her on Instagram at Becky Stollers. You can also follow us on Instagram at Bad Things Pod to see all our picture content. And you can also find us on Twitter at Bad Things Pod. And if you want to find us, if you're listening to us on Acast and want to find us anywhere else, we're also on Apple Podcasts, where if you search for the Bad Things Podcast, we will come up and equally the other way around as well if you're listening on Apple. Yes, and we will shortly have a link tree on our Instagram. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. Um, shout out to Jenny Pettigan for <laughs> hopefully taking control and sorting out our social media. Whipping us into shape. Um, and of course, yeah, Becky Stalworthy, you're a legend. Thank you for all our artwork. And that is it, Jacob, for Paula. <laughs> Sayonara to another horrible album. Yes, I will not regret never listening to this album ever again. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you don't have to have any enemas during lockdown. Um, <laughs> and we will see you next time on the Bad Things Podcast, where Jacob will be taking the reins. See you next time, and see you later, Jacob. See you later, Nathan. Bye.